0: are now tuned into the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. This is episode 39 of the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. My name is James Bodden, and today's guest brings absolute fire, value, and actionable advice based on his experience and his experience is vast Kevin Dorsey VP of Inside Sales at Patient Pop is my guest for episode 39 and just like everything else that Kevin does when he shows up and he has a conversation about sales, boy does he keep it real, boy does he speak from experience and he really does provide some really great advice for folks looking to level up their career and and things that you could do this weekend that would literally help you make that next step so really excited about the episode if you can't listen to the entire thing as always i had kevin dorsey provide a snack break sales tip for us so listen in
1: go interview 20 customers and ask them these questions what does our product do for you why did you buy what problem were you hoping to solve what were you afraid of before buying what's changed the most since you've bought and what's your favorite part of our product. Go interview 20 customers and get those answers because what you just did is you built your script. You just built your value prop. You found out how they describe your product. You found out what the unset objections are and you found out like a good one liner of like what's changed. Go interview 20 customers and ask those questions. We'll change your emails, your voicemails, your scripting, everything.
0: I love it. And, and it's something that if, You know, people are out there complaining about their scripts, and that's the reason that the calls are going bad. Well, there you have it. Now you have a way to go write a better one.
1: Do it. Salespeople never talk to customers, they always talk to prospects. Go talk to customers. They're right there. They are right there. They will tell you these things, right? 20 of them, minimum, minimum. Go and do that.
0: Super actionable sales tip from Kevin. This is what the entire episode is like. So, I feel silly continuing to say words and delaying starting this episode any further. So here we go. Episode 39 with Kevin Dorsey. Here we are. This is episode number 39 of the Lunch Break podcast. And this one is a special one. Kevin Dorsey has joined me for this episode. And if you know Kevin, you know why I'm pumped to have him on the show. But if you don't know Kevin, Kevin Dorsey, he's an inside sales top 10 sales leader. Um, He's been named sales uh, development executive of of the year. He's currently a VP of inside sales at Patient Pop and puts out some of the most real frontline experience based in reality content that I see on LinkedIn. And so for all of those reasons, super stoked to have you here, Kevin. Thanks so much for coming on, man.
1: Hell yeah, my dude. Excited to be here with you. Let's rock.
0: Yeah. So let's just kick this thing off. Kevin, you know, we see where you are now and the things you're doing now, but but how did you get started in sales and, and how did that start kind of propel you to the career that you've had?
1: Um, I mean, it, it, there's two parts of it. One, it was a choice. And I know a lot of people say they fell into sales. I did not. I chose to get into sales actually even in college, because I didn't know what I actually wanted to do. I was in a degree that I very quickly found out I wasn't going to utilize. And so as I was looking at job ads, the the pattern was there was always sales jobs, always. And so I was like, well, if I can learn how to do that, I'll always have a job. Even if I hate it, even if I'm miserable, I'll have a job. So I started, like I did door to door knife selling in Wisconsin, which was Awful! I was really bad. I did some multi-level marketing stuff, really bad. A little bit of insurance, like I was bad, man. But I was like, I need to figure this out because I need to have a job. So it got there, and then I got into personal training and was selling um, personal training packages and running studios. And that's when I got my first, it's like real mentor who kind of set me on like the whole like reading game. Like he was really good at sales, and he started teaching me how, but also encouraging me to read and that's what kind of triggered the whole the whole process the whole career.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love it and I think whether you fall into it or you choose to get into it, the folks that stick with it and have success and enjoy it, there's always that moment of for a few years you suck at it and you're not taking it seriously and you're not focused on personal development and getting better. So, you know, you had that mentor kind of wake you up, right? What, what was that like? What was that conversation like? What did that sound like, that kind of revelation moment where it was like, okay, this is going to be more than just a way to get by. I'm going to go all in on this.
1: Man, I'll, I'll never forget it. He sat me down. He said, do you want to be a millionaire? And I said, duh, of course I want to be a millionaire. It's like, do you really want to be a millionaire? I said, yes, I do. And he said, all right, if I handed you a briefcase with a million dollars in it right now, but you couldn't spend it. Would you be happy? I was like, well, no. He's (laughs) like, but you'd be a millionaire. You'd have a million dollars. And I was like, well, but I can't spend it. And he's like, so that's the point I'm making is you don't want to be a millionaire. You want what comes with being a millionaire. You want the lifestyle, you want the home, you want the car, you want the savings, whatever it is. In order to do that, you have to be a millionaire. You have to act like a millionaire. You have to think like a millionaire. So one of my mantras for a long time was what would a millionaire do? Hmm. right like that was one of my like what would a millionaire do in this moment so he handed me a book called think and grow rich by napoleon hill And he said if you're serious about this read this read it and come back to me and i wasn't much of a reader like the reader i am now like in high school and college that wasn't me that wasn't like who who i was so i was like all right cool like if this is gonna make me a millionaire like all right whatever and i started reading it and i think i finished it in two days and it, it blew my mind because at that point in my life, I was definitely still in the mindset that like everything happened to me, you know, like that I didn't control my world that I didn't control my destiny that triggered it. I was like, wow, like it is on me. If I'm better, things get better. If I set my goals, right? So I set my goals. I wrote them down. I visualized them every day. And that's what started the process of me like that triggered like, wow, I could learn something in two days yeah that that's what triggered it man and that that I became like a voracious learner and reader after that and it's changed my life absolutely
0: yeah I think that's so interesting I, I had a mentor tell me something kind of similar to that uh, for a long time I every year I would write down uh, goals surrounding income like, I want to make x amount of dollars this year and I did that for a few years and, and I would meet it but it wasn't fulfilling. I wasn't, I was miserable doing what I was doing. And so they said, look, the goal should be to have a steep of a learning curve in the next thing that you do as possible to require that you gain more knowledge. Because if you gain more knowledge, the money comes as a result of you having more skills and just knowing more. Right. And so I think that's a really important thing that, especially young sales rep need to latch onto is, is this idea of, of learning before really anything else and that desire to learn. Um, and, and so, you know, you, you had that kind of revelation and then, uh, you know, once you made that switch, talk to us about your, your transition into leadership, right? Because it's one thing to get your shit together, you know, individually, right. And kind of go through that transformation and become Kind of a, a a fuller, better version of yourself as an individual contributor, mm-hmm. but how does that trans? You know, what, what was that process like of translating that over to a team, and how do you do that now?
1: Yeah, so well, man, how I do it now compared to how I did it fifteen, <laughs> sixteen years ago is very different. I've yeah. learned a lot. Um, I mean, I've been managing people since college, and that's something. I don't think a lot of people know about me is I, I was managing personal trainers in in college, right? When I moved out to LA, I was running small, a small business. Like I wasn't just a personal trainer. I ran to one studio, grew it to maximum capacity, opened another one was managing 10 to 12 trainers doing all this stuff. Like I've been managing for a while. And I think part of that is just how I grew up, like grew up in a a broken home, single mom. I was responsible for raising my, my brother. Um, I was the captain of almost every sports team I was on. So it's kind of just been who, who I've, how, how I work. And it's one thing, like I joke about it with people, but if I could change one thing about me, it'd probably be that I would be more selfish, right? Like (laughs) I, like if I could, if I could just focus on myself, I'd be an individual contributor tomorrow, (laughs) just as much money, if not more. Yeah, Just probably more. <laughs> yeah. I, I make more money with not as much stress and not as much work and not as much hours. I love selling. I love it. It's a, I miss it. But when I wake up, I do. I think about other people. I know if I went to an IC role today, I'd be looking at my left and looking at my right. Like, oh, I can help that person. Mm-hmm. Oh, I could go make that better over there. Mm-hmm. And that's part of it. And, and I think one of the biggest shifts I made was one, understanding everyone is not me. And that was one of the mistakes I made very early on as a leader was, one, treating everyone the way I would want to be treated, but also assuming people thought the way that I thought or that, well, I can do it. Why can't you? And that was a big gap for a while. Like, and I've slowly learned, like obviously, that's not the case. People do learn differently. People do have different thoughts and desires. But also, too, like no one's probably going to think the way that I think. That's why I'm who I am. Yeah. And that was a big, a big shift. And so now it is way more focused on like, what are some of the, you know, underlying things that affect all people. Most of my studying, most of my reading is on people. It's not salespeople. There's no such thing as a fucking salesperson. Sorry if I'm not allowed to cuss on this.
0: (laughs) No, I mark these as explicit. Good.
1: All right. So like, (laughs) if you pulled up the genetic code of a thousand people, you couldn't spot the salesperson. Yep. They're, they're, they're people, right? Our brains work very similarly. And so that's where I try to focus most of my energy now is just figuring out people. And that carries over into being a leader. You know and I'm still learning, I'm still, I'm still growing, I'm still figuring things out, um, but I love it, man. I absolutely love it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that continuous growth and continuous improvement is part of your desire to help that next person. Right. Just that natural, innate feeling that you have. And I think it's an important thing as salespeople go through their career to have that self-awareness and know I am a natural leader. I've been the captain of every team. I somehow end up being the person everybody leads on for class projects. You know, it's just because I know folks like that, um, who just, yeah, that's just who they are and and um trying to Navigate away from that is only gonna hurt your career and and I think you know It sounds like you've really leaned into your strengths and yeah. and kind of said fuck the rest, you know
1: Yeah, you, you have, and you have and like reps that are listening. It's okay to be a rep like, mm-hmm. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. I am a VP of sales and I'm saying I wish I could flip the switch to just be a rep It's okay. You can make more money. It's more control. It's less stress you don't like, don't just chase management because you think that's what's next. Like be a lifer salesperson, mm-hmm. Make a shit ton of money and have fun with it. And you take know, so,
0: three weeks vacation every year and, you know, right? go to president's like, club and yeah,
1: there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong
0: with that. Just remember that, y'all.
1: You don't have to chase management. Like, Mm -hmm. be great at what you do. And if that's selling, that's selling. But when a rep ever tells me that they want to get into management, I ask them three questions that they need to think about. So, one, are you ready to put your paycheck in someone else's hands? Mm -hmm. Are you ready to put your paycheck in someone else's hands? Two, are you ready for your work ethic to no longer matter? As a sales rep, your work ethic can drive up results. As a manager, you can't just work harder. To get results, it doesn't work that way. You have to be better. And third, are you ready for me to be mad at you for what your team is doing?
0: (laughs) Are you ready to sit?
1: Are you ready to sit in here and have me be upset because what your rep is doing? Because that's what management is. I'm upset with you first before I am with the rep. You need to think about that. And that weeds out a good (laughs) 60, 70% where they go, Oh, I've never thought about that. And I say there's a difference between being a manager and a leader. You can still be a leader. I can give you a platform. I can put you on a pedestal. I can give you opportunities to lead. But as a manager, you are now responsible for people. And that's very, very different.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and it's the absolute truth. I, I remember I spent the first five years of my sales career selling cell phones. And towards the end of it, I knew I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, but just having been in the game for long enough, you know, you start getting approached for leadership positions. And, uh, it was interesting. I had one conversation with a district manager of mine that wanted to put me into a, a manager role. And I told him, I said, I'm not, I don't want to put my paycheck in somebody else's hands. I'm not ready for that. I don't want to do that. Are you serious? And it, it kind of took him off guard, you know, caught him off guard. And he was like, well, why wouldn't you want to move up in the company? Because I know that I, I, I would make a bad leader because I'm not okay with that. So <laughs> I love that, that way of weeding them out, man, because yeah, that'll get rid of them real quick. Start messing with their money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I think for, uh, I mean, you, you made a great point being a career account executive, being a career senior enterprise BDR, even with the way some orgs are, uh, set up now. I mean, don't arbitrarily chase leadership or chase the next thing. And I think that, and I'm sure you've seen this, and I would love to get your take on this. What, what, How do you compensate for that arbitrary motivation, like an SDR that just automatically wants to be an AE because they think that that's what needs to happen, or an AE that automatically wants to be a manager? How do you tamper that down and, and, and kind of make sure, so you, you, you ask those questions for the managers. Is, is that the same kind of thing that you do when somebody wants to transition into a new role after two months?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, part of it, I think, is setting pretty clear expectations up front of what it's going to take to do it. And we have it pretty well outlined of what you have to achieve to get that next role. I don't care if you want it. I can give a fuck. Are you ready? And have you done what it takes to earn that role? Mm-hmm. That's the first step is like, have you earned it? I don't care if you want it. I want a Ferrari. (laughs) I haven't earned it. Actually, I don't want a Ferrari, but
0: (laughs) you
1: know, I I want it. I haven't earned it yet. You have to earn it. That's the first step. The next is like making sure that they are prepared. And that's something that I know we do a little bit differently here and matters a lot to me is we have an SDR to AE training plan. Mm. Like you earn the right to be promoted. You don't earn the role. I'm going to say that again. You earn the right to be promoted, but you didn't earn the role. You still have zero experience as a closer. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't hire someone from the outside with zero closing experience. Why should I move you up? So what happens here is you earn your promotion, but then you go into a boot camp. Mm -hmm. You go into a closing boot camp and you have to pass that boot camp. If you don't pass it, you don't get the role. You get to go through it again. And if you don't pass twice, the role's not for you. right? But like, but we train you, right? Like you're role-playing every day. You're getting tribal knowledge. You're shadowing, like you're trained for 30 days while still setting appointments for other people. And then you have to pass the final demo certification. So I don't mind people wanting what's next, but they need to get ready for what's next. If you want to be a manager, start reading management books now. If you want to be a closer, start reading closing books now, but that's only if you're already performing as an SDR. You're not hitting your quota consistently as an SDR. Maybe you should be good at that first. If you're not consistently hitting your quota as an AE, maybe get good at that first. Just throwing it out there. You don't have to be the top performer, but you got to be good. Yeah. Good at your job. Like, generally speaking, the top performers aren't always the best managers. I was a top performer. I wasn't the best manager when I first started at it because I had the same mindset. I was a top performer. This is what I did, so you should do what I do.
0: <laughs> yeah, the classic, and,
1: right? Always like, always happens. Yeah. This you, very rarely, like my managers now, like my reps now, is very rarely we hear like this is what worked for me. I hardly ever say that because it doesn't fucking matter what worked for me. Yeah. I am me. You are you. We're not the same. But I try to teach things that I believe work for most. What I believe work for the majority what's easier for most to pull off, right? Mm-hmm. So you can chase it, but like when I was a rep, I was reading management books. When I became a director, I was reaching out to five VPs a week for a year and a half straight, asking for advice and mentorship because I wanted to be a VP. That was before I was a VP. Like yeah. the subject line to my outreach was first time VP. I was asking for help that's how I got some of my early mentors as well that was before I was a VP Mm -hmm. I was asking for help so like y'all got to prepare for that next role while you're in your role but you got to be good at your role you do need to be good at what you're doing right now
0: yeah yeah I think it's layered right kind of get good at what you're required to do Mm -hmm. and then you know and I I love this that you brought this up because I obviously it's phenomenal that you guys have this built in over at patient pop, but I think a lot of reps are like, well, my company isn't going to do that. Well, you do that yourself. Right. Right. You are taking from, you know, seven to nine at night to DM people who are doing what you want to do and, and, you know, committing to them that you're going to, you know, offer some sort of value back to them and just playing that whole game of uh, setting up your own damn boot camp while you're killing it at your current job. Yeah, I love that, man.
1: I mean, I just posted about this, man. Like most sales reps played some sort of sport or some, they had some sort of hobby in high school, whether it was music, art, dance, whatever. And they were dedicating two to three hours a day yeah. for four years in high school. For whatever that was. And now they get into their careers and they don't dedicate any hours per day at getting better at it. Like real quick, y'all, if you're listening, where's that Letterman's jacket right now? Where's that blue ribbon that you won? Fuck y'all. Like you have a career now that can pay you multiple six figures per year, multiple six figures per year. And yet you go, if you go on Amazon right now and look at the top reviewed sales book, What's, what's a sales book that everyone knows about? Like what's one of the most popular sales books? What pops to mind?
0: Oh, well for me, it's how to win friends and influence people.
1: Okay. So that's actually that one. I don't even like that one. I know it's going to fire people up. <laughs> I've read that one four times. I don't get it. I do not understand. Like, yeah, be interested. Say people's names. Cool. Great. I don't <laughs> to you, love you, but that one didn't land for me. <laughs> like, you get, like, but even that one, I think if you look at it, I think that book has roughly over a thousand reviews on Amazon mm-hmm. challenger sale, about 500 spin selling low three hundreds. These books have been out for decades. People aren't reading. People aren't <laughs> doing these things yet. You look up <laughs> the top rated TV wall mount mount on Amazon has like 30,000 reviews. It's a wall. It's a wall. mount, Right? So oh, like, like you guys, if man, I was actually just talking about this with someone yesterday like how badly, how badly I wish I could like give what I've learned. And like, if everyone read what I was reading, like there's so many times, like I read something like, fuck, like everyone needs to know this. Everyone needs to hear this. Like, why, why am I reading more sales books than my sales team? Mm -hmm. Why am I reading more psychology books? Why am I reading more management books than my managers? Like, I just, I wish, and I don't know where I know where it came from from me, and I just wish I could find a way to get other people to want that knowledge as much to as tap into I that. do. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's kind of a powerful thing um, when when you turn that corner and you realize, you know, I had this revelation like four years ago where I rediscovered the library, and I was like, oh my god, there's this place right down the street from my house that's free to go to where I can just go learn a bunch of shit about anything I want to learn about. Mm -hmm. And you, uh, so I, you know, we live in a world where you can do everything but sit down and read a book, but that point you made, and I love that post that you made the other day about it. (laughs) You're, you're making just as much as a practice squad NFL player. Yes. That are and they're going out there practicing, you know, six seven hours a day, and they don't even dress on game day. You get you are are, are starting,
1: mm-hmm. and Every day. you're
0: not even putting in the time.
1: And and that's now. That's now. Right now. Right now. What happens three years from now? Mm. Like it just three years. Like people ask me, like, what's my five year plan? I don't fucking know. Five <laughs> years is too far away for me. I used to be a big like long-term goal plan. I've actually worked back, especially if I've learned more about like the science of goal setting and how the brain works around it. It's like, dude, I don't know. I know what the next two years look like, and I know what I'm going to do to get there. But Jesus, if if reps, managers, leaders, whoever went out and got ten mentors and read two books a month, fuck it, one book a month for the next three years, I promise you, you've doubled your income. Promise, yep. guarantee. Guarantee it, like, and it. I just, I wish people understood that. I really do. It's one. It's one of my most frustrating, like, internal battles. Is like, I and I. But I've also made this mistake too. Like, oh, here, here's a book. Here, <laughs> oh, you, oh, here's a book. Right, because that's one of the ways that I learn. Like, oh, people are like, oh, thanks, Katie.
0: Put it in the right?
1: jar. <laughs> Like that happens. So I'm like, but I just gave. I just gave you right, like. Experience is actually one of the slowest ways to get, like, to get good at something or learn how to do something. Why take 20 years to get good at something if you can learn from someone who did it for 20 years?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you can learn that in four days. <laughs> four days. I got sales acceleration formula on my desk right now. I go back to it often from Mark Roberge. Why yeah. would I try to figure out what Mark did when he put it in a fucking book? It's
0: there. <laughs> With a nice cover and everything
1: it's right there. And I, I can just go look at it when things pop into my head. I'm like, Hmm. Yeah. What would he have done here? Oh, wait, he put it in paper. I know what he would have done here and I can go reference it. Yeah. So that's, that's it, man. Like, I'm sorry if I go on a rant. No,
0: this is, this is exactly why I was so fired up to have you on, man, because you're, you're practical in the way that you look at things because you've studied people long enough to know you can't just say, Be great go be great you know like you're never you know it's never fluffy motivational shit it's always like you know you should read books this is why this is how it's helped me it's all here you know i mean it's all just very kind of uh, um the the phrase that i keep thinking of as you're talking is just reality truth (laughs) you know just it's it's um uh, and and lots of people need that wake up call. They need to kind of snap themselves into go from wanting something to earning it and putting in the work and the time. And some people never will. And they'll figure it out eventually that uh, they should have, you know, gotten their shit together 20 years ago. But for the few that are listening that are going to hear your words, I think you've done them a great favor, man. Um, and I feel a little silly asking this because I feel like this whole episode has been one giant, Actionable piece of advice, um, but for the folks that are going to be listening that maybe not uh, are able to listen to the whole thing right away, I'm going to include a little short sales tip for them. So, uh, Kevin, what is a actionable sales tip that somebody can use after they get done listening to the episode here?
1: Go interview 20 customers and ask them these questions: What does our product do for you? Why did you buy? What problem were you hoping to solve? What were you afraid of before buying? What's changed the most since you've bought and what's your favorite part of our product? Go interview 20 customers and get those answers because what you just did is you built your script. You just built your value prop. You found out how they describe your product. You found out what the unset objections are and you found out like a good one liner of like what's changed. Go interview 20 customers and ask those questions. We'll change your emails, your voicemails, your scripting, everything.
0: I love it. And, and it's something that if you know, people are out there complaining about their scripts, and that's the reason that the calls are going bad, well, there you have it. Now you have a way to go write a better one.
1: Do it. Salespeople never talk to customers. They always talk to prospects. Go talk to customers. They're right there. They are right there. They will tell you these things, right? 20 of them, minimum, minimum. Go and do
0: that. I love it, man. So I have to make sure that we get in the same question that I ask every person that comes on the Lunch Break podcast. Kevin, what is your favorite place to eat lunch?
1: Stout Burger, baby stout burger here in Santa Monica. It's two blocks away. I'm a, I'm a regular there at this point. I'm waiting for my little plaque on the bar, right? <laughs> Sean, Sean's my bartender. Caleb's the owner. Tony's one of like the owners there. Those are my my dudes. I get an impossible burger, six weeker or an impossible cheeseburger, maybe some sweet potato fries. And if I'm feeling like I'm having a good time, maybe I get an IPA as well. Cause I'm an adult. I can do that. I don't care. So,
0: there we go. So <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. Well, Kevin, look, uh, super grateful that you came on the show i think you really kind of broke it down in in some ways that some people probably needed to hear today so really appreciate it if folks didn't know about you before this episode now they know about you how can they find you and keep in touch with you uh from here on out
1: uh just find me on on linkedin um i don't have twitter instagram or snap or any any of that like find me on linkedin I do my best to respond to messages and and comments when I can. So reach out if you need help. I'm happy to be a resource and I appreciate everyone's time today.
0: Awesome. Well, with that, I am going to wrap up episode 39 of the Lunch Break Podcast. Speak to you guys soon.